We all come from different backgrounds and different families, and we've all learned different things about money. Hi, this is Greg. We all approach money from a variety of perspectives. Given that money is a major component in all of our lives and that it has the power to help or hurt, we all might need some lessons on how to make money a blessing rather than a curse. In this series, we will anchor to what Jesus has to say on this very important topic. We hope you enjoy. Today, uh, what a great time of worship, amen? I think uh, if you listen to the words that we just sang, you would get the message that uh, God is all that, amen? So today, I am excited. I start a brand new series called Money Matters. It'll be a short series, but I think it's going to be very impactful. Uh, as I was preparing this, I was thinking, you know, uh, we all approach money from a different standpoint because I'm really smart that we all grew up in different homes and uh, everybody had different values and different perspectives on this topic of money. Amen. And some of you, it's like money. Yes. And some of you, it's like money. No. And some of you are like, preach it more. And some of you are like, no, don't ever do that. That's all the church ever talks about, which is not true because we never talk about it. and We need to talk about it more. So anyways, there you have it. So this is going to be a good journey for us. In this year of Anchored, we're going to talk about being anchored to, to what Jesus has to say about money. Are you with me? Let's go. Father, thank you so much for being with us here this morning. Thank you, God, for that refreshing time of uh, just worship. Thank you for the, the refreshing of our community, Lord, with all that rain, Lord. And just wake up this morning and, and just the, the air is crisp and everything seems so clean and, and the mountains with snow. God, you're in charge of all that and we say thank you. God, as we, as we venture into this topic of money, I pray that you help me to look at my own life uh, help us to look at our own lives and really, truly anchor ourselves uh, with this particular topic to your word and your thoughts and not ours. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Right out the gate, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the very first point for our sermon today is why talk money? Well, that's a good question. Let me answer that. Uh, money is important to our lives, amen? Would you agree with that? Okay, wait, wait, wait. <clears throat> money is important to our lives, isn't it? I mean, really, it has everything to do with, you know, where we're going to eat, sleep, live, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I also think that our view of money impacts our lives. Our view of money impacts our lives. So I would even say this, if you are a Christ follower, and if you're not, praise God you're here, or praise God you're listening online, you're at the right spot. But I believe that um, money impacts the way that we live out our Christianity. Some bold statements. Let me also give you some statistics. And honestly, there's fudging on, you know, you could go a little bit more, a little bit less on all this, and there's some debates on this. But just, just look at the general numbers that I'm going to give you. Jesus spoke about money around 15% of the time in his preaching. Pr approximately 11 out of the 39 um, parables are about money. There's over 2,300 verses that talk about money, 
wealth, and possessions. Did you know that? So here's the reality. The Bible has a lot to say on this topic because this topic has a lot lot to say about our lives. And so that's why I think we need to talk about this topic and see not what the world has to say about this topic, but what God has to say about this topic. Now, there's one verse particular. There's lots of them. I just told you about 2,300. But there's one verse I want to throw out there real quick. Because I think, like, when I talk about marriage, sometimes people go, like, you hate marriage. No. Just because I start a marriage topic off, you're better off single. That doesn't mean I hate marriage. And, And please hear me. I mean, my wife was in the first service when I said that. But please hear me. The Bible says you're better off not married. But God does bless marriage, okay? And we can have fun with that one. But marriage is good. Money can be good. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money, you ready? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Oh, there it is, pastor, money's evil. No, it doesn't say money's evil, does it? It says it is, it is a root. Like it can be, but it doesn't have to be evil. Did you catch that? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So I want to spend some time a little bit uh, building on this whole idea again of why talk money. And so I had, I want to say fun, but it's actually not fun. I know we have a lot of accountants and bankers and investors at our church, so you, you could check Pastor Rob on all this stuff. But, you know, I went to the end all of all, I went to the internet. So I know what I'm saying is right. But these statistics, again, you can fudge them one side or the other, but the heart of them are there. By the way, did you know, just this is kind of fun, makes you feel better about your own home. Do you know how much in debt our country is? 33 million, no, oh, 33 million. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Pastor John could pay that off for us. trillion dollars our country is in debt. So I just throw out that number saying probably don't look to the government for how to live your life with finances. That's all I'm going to say. You could be on both sides of the politics on that one and say amen to that. But here's some numbers. Here's some numbers. These are average household numbers. The average household is $158,209 in debt. If you want to get specific credit card debt per household, the average household. Now, some of you are going to go, wow, cool, honey, (laughs) we're we're not as bad as I thought. Well, (laughs) it doesn't matter if you're on the lower side of this. Any debt is bad. But credit card debt, the average household is $14,241,000. Student loans, this blew me away. The average household is $58,112. Auto loans, the average household is in debt, $31,142.52. I just added 52 to that. Mortgage debt, the average household is $202,454,000. And a lot of the realtors in here are going, yeah, but not in Southern California. We make that number higher. It's South Dakota that kind of lowers that a little bit. I just picked on South Dakota. I'm sorry. I hope we don't have I, I, I hope we don't have any listeners there. No, that would be wrong. Here's here's some fun stuff about the, the credit card debt. 
um, stuff, I don't know, fun, but Gen Z, which is 18 to 23-year-olds, their average debt is 2300 in credit cards, and they have 1.7 credit cards. Millennials, 24 to 39-year-olds, they have an average of $4,569 in debt and credit card, and they have 2.7 average credit cards. And Gen X, that's me, 40 to 55, we have $7,236 um, in credit card debt, and we have 33 um, credit cards, and that's because we're having to pay for all of our parents' debts. But anyways, in, uh, oh, boo, <laughs> baby boomers, baby boomers, 6,200. You guys are 56 to 74 years of age, 6,200 with an average of 3.4. You have the most credit cards. And then builders, 75 plus, your average is 3,821 with a 2.7 credit cards. The average basically goes to about $6,000. And then that's why it's about 14000 um, per household. But here, here I, sh- I share all these numbers, and there's a reason why. Because debt is not good. Did you know that? Like America, we encourage debt. You go on the campus, uh, college campuses, and they're handing out credit cards like, you know, bread and butter. I mean, like, here, sign up, sign up, sign up, sign up. And, and I want to just tell you that debt is not good. And I believe that's scriptural. And that's going to be, that's going to fly in the face of um, all of uh, retailers out there in America. You know, it's going to fly in the face. But I want to tell you, at least you could hear it from somebody, that debt is not good. Can I have any amen to anyone that believes that? Like, all right. I don't know if you guys believe that or not. First service, they're going crazy. I'm like, yeah, amen. You know, and you're like, debt, debt is not good. And yet we're in it. Our country is in it but our households are in it. And, and, and there's a different way to approach this because we're, we're saying let's be anchored to Jesus, not debt. Because when you, you think about it, and, and I'm guilty of this, when I talk about um, idols, you know, sometimes that comes up in scripture and we should have no idols before us and we talk about addictions, you know, we talk about um, relationships and we talk about all kinds of things, but debt is an idol, because anything that takes away our attention from God Almighty becomes an idol, doesn't it? So paying off credit cards can become an idol. Amen? Our attention gets so consumed and money all of a sudden goes from this, this, this resource to something that really bogs us down. It keeps us up at night and it wakes us up in the morning and it's all consuming to the point where we start having not just one job but two jobs and some people three jobs. Now, church, do you think that's what an abundant life is all about? I want to say it again. Debt is not good. Now, now before you kind of put shame and guilt on yourself I, I, or feel like I'm doing that to you, uh, statistics say that probably the majority of us, if not all of us in here, have debt, right? So this is an us issue. It doesn't make us a bad person, but at least we need to say, you know what, we need to get a hold of this. And again, I'm pushing against some of your households because some of your households, you, you saw just the opposite. It's like rack up anything and everything that you want so you can keep up with the Joneses, right? And then you'll pay for it later. Well, we're going to be talking about that later in the message. William James says this, The greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering his attitude. You say, what does that have to do with money? It has everything. Because our attitude towards money will drive what we do and how we act and what we think about. Does that make sense? 
And a lot of our attitudes towards money has come from our households or our society, our, our culture. The greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering his attitude. So maybe in these next three, th- three weeks, we are going to maybe having some uh, attitude altering that needs to happen. And that would be a good thing. Mary Hunt says this, debt, oh, this is gold. Debt keeps you stuck in the trap of using your future to pay for your past. I want you to sit and read that for a second. Debt keeps you stuck in the trap of using your future to pay for your past. That's not an abundant life. That's not abundant living, is it? And I'm so glad there's young ears in here because the younger you could grab a hold of this, I think the better off you are. So let's get a glimpse of God's view on money. For the rest of this message, there's three things that I want to share with you. First of all, it hit, it's his, not mine. So that's our second point of the message today. It's his, not mine. If you go to Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now let's just be really, you know, let's just feel really smart about ourselves. Let's read this again. And you tell me, who created the heavens and the earth? Oh, what? what? Who created the heavens and the earth? You mean it wasn't you? And it wasn't me? You know, one of the fun phrases I learned many, many years ago from a, a, a member of the church, and I like to use it all the time, is someone walks up to you and says, uh, you know, uh, how you doing? You say, uh, you know, you, you just say, it's your world. I'm just living in it. It's your world. Or sometimes we just live like it's my world. You guys are living in it. And the truth is, it's not true. This isn't our world. It's his. And the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, you continue on. You go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It says, God saw that all he made. Who made it? He did. God saw that all he made, and it was very good. <laughs> and there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. I think there's two points with these two uh, verses right here that are important for us today. Simply this, he created it and it's all good. He created it and it's all good. Mandy talked about the mountains and the drive-in with the snow. Man, that was beautiful. I was driving down Roscoe towards one of my favorite breakfast places on Sunday morning, and I was looking at the snow just right here on our little mountains, and I'm like, this is beautiful. This is not something that we normally see. God is good. God made it, not us. This is his world, not ours. And so one of the, if, instead of it's his, not, uh, not mine, you could just put the word ownership. See, I think in order for us to have a good perspective, a healthy perspective, a God perspective on money, we need to start here before I ever actually start talking about money. Because the truth is, ownership has everything to do with how we view money, doesn't it? It's not ours. It's his. And all God's people said... Psalms 24, verse 1, if you haven't heard this enough yet. (laughs) The earth is the Lord's. Can you read that with me? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything in it is his. Do you believe that? Are you viewing your life like that? 
And are you viewing money in that way? Oh, but pastor, he's not the one that gets up at five o'clock in the morning and out the door by 5.30 and then gets stuck on the 405 for an hour and a half, going to community down to LA and then you know, dealing with all the nonsense and all the computers and all the phone calls and all the crazy people and then only to get back in the car, getting back on that 405 for another hour and a half to get home. I'm the one that did that. I'm the one that earned that. And now you're telling me it's his? Yep. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you something. He could take that away just like that. Did you catch that? He could take it away just like that. Now, yes, way to go. Way to work. Because that's what God created us to do. You want to read Genesis. That's good that you get up. And that good that you work hard. But I want to tell you, it's not all about you. God has blessed you with the ability to do everything that I just mentioned. Did you catch that? And if we can't get past this, we can't get on to the other stuff that I'm gonna talk about. Because if we don't truly believe it's all God's, then good, I'll just say good luck. Good luck. Good luck. But church, this is so humbling for all of us who are young and old to just take a deep breath and stop for a second. And it doesn't matter if our parents messed us up. It doesn't matter if our boss messed us up. It doesn't matter if society or a financial advisor messed us up. We are our own person. And we are hearing from God right now that the place to start is everything we have is his. Everything we have is his. Which leads me to the second point, or it's the third point in the mess is the second point of what are we going to do? He is in charge. He is in charge. So it's all his and he is in charge. And the word I'm going to use there instead of ownership for the first one, the second word that I'm going to use is lordship. And that's not a word that we typically use in our society today, but let's turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And we just came out of a series called Anchored in Red, and we looked at some of the red words, which means those were the words of Jesus in the book of John. And here we're going to see, we see some red uh, words here, and this is Jesus speaking in most of what I'm going to share. Luke chapter 9, verse 21, it says, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. Just to give you context, this is new news. Like he's predicting what's going to happen in the future. He's predicting his death. He's predicting being raised on the third day. But then he gets to verse 23. And I want to give you the context. I've taught on this before, that it's early on in Jesus' ministry, and he's performing miracles, and he's teaching and preaching, and everyone is amazed. He's gathered a large crowd, and people are like, what trick is he going to do now? What miracle is he going to do now? What amazing teaching is he going to do now? Then he said to them all, this large crowd, whoever wants to be my disciple or whoever wants to be a Christian must what, church? They must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? 
And I'm not going to talk about this, but this does talk about the money part. If we're just going to collect as many toys and as many giz- gizmachis and, and, and all the latest whatevers, the 4.0s and the 20.0s of whatever gadgets that we have, and we end and think that's what life is all about, you are mistaken. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose and forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Then he says this, Truly I tell you, some of you are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is turning up the heat. He, he, he's going to... He's at that point where, I've shared it before, I'm not interested in being here on this earth for a bunch of fans. I'm here for followers. And he's drawn the line in the sand and he's saying, hey, I'm not putting on any more shows. It's not about this big crowd. If you want to follow me, you need to do these two things. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily. So what has happened is he's really uh, created this, this crowd and and. And the word I use, and I know there's different words now, but bandwagoners. Some of you are bandwagoners when it comes to sports. You bought all that Chiefs gear the week before, right? You couldn't even name three players. That's a bandwagoner. Uh, Just to give you a heads up, buy your Dodger gear now. The season started yesterday. We're good to go, all right? Bandwagoners. Now, I actually, for the first time in my whole life, I actually looked up the word bandwagoner in, um, in the dictionary. And here it is. I love it. <laughs> Someone who supports or participates in something only because it's popular or successful. So I think bandwagoner, do you know, isn't that fair? Bandwagoner is okay to say for these guys that are following Jesus. He's like the latest fad. He's the latest trend. Um, bandwagoner. Now, um, I, I'm sorry, my son's not here uh, in this service, my 15-year-old, but um, I made 20 bucks. Money matters. <laughs> so I told you, you know, talking about this bandwagoner and kind of trendy and all that kind of stuff, I told you I, went to, I took uh, teens to the camp uh, a couple of weeks ago up in Andrews Crest, and I, I told you that I was um, <laughs> sleeping on those um, heavenly beds just like the Marriott not. They were about two inches of whatever on plywood. And, you know, I got all these teenage boys uh, in there, and they're talking, and I'm like, you know I'm in here, right? <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> there's was, there was some fun stuff, because they're, they're using some words that I knew sounded like English, but I'm like, I don't get it, other than bro, bro, bro. If I had a dollar for every time they said bro, bro, it's funny, one of the moms of a teenager walked out, and she goes, yeah, my son calls me bro, and I looked at him and said, you don't call your mom bro anymore. But anyways, bro, 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 bro. So they're using all this lingo. And then, and I'm like, oh, you guys better watch out. I'll use that in the sermon. And they're like, no, you would not use it in the sermon. You can't use it. I, here I am. Here I am. I sure hope Gabe Gonzalez is in here or Mikey Molina. Jacob Rice was in there. Jacob was too kind, though. Riz. I'm helping some of you grandparents out. You got Riz. And they kept talking about Riz. And I'm like, what is Riz? Raise your hand if you know what Riz is. Oh, wow. Wow. This whole section over there. Riz. So they explained it all. Let me just help you guys out. Um, it means you got game. 
like my mother and f- uh, my mother and father-in-law were in here. So if you know Eddie and Patty Watkins, I'm like Eddie had Riz in order to get Patty. <laughs> that means Eddie had game, um, and, and that's no cap. <laughs> Are you with me now? Wow, you guys all know that because I didn't know that. They're teaching me about cap, and I'm like, cap, what's that mean? And it goes, well, that's, that, someone says, oh, you're lying. And, and I'm like, oh, I could use that in a sermon. And, and one of the boys is like, yeah, no, you can. I said, yes, I can. Jesus had no cap. <laughs> Am I right on that? And then they start talking about drip. Yes, that means style, like if you're drip. You know, yeah, yeah, you, some of you guys, some of you never write notes about anything and now you're writing these things down. What's up with that? (laughs) Then there's ice, you know, and I'm just going to tell you, I just slayed everything right now. (laughs) That means I killed it. I crushed it. Bam, mic drop. (laughs) Jesus was not interested in the latest fads. He was not interested in followers or fans. He was interested in followers. And when it comes to money in our view, Jesus wants us to look at this the way he does. And all joking aside, that's no cap. Because, because debt is not what he died for. And too many of us are not living life because we got all these toys that we can't pay for. We're living a life that is trying to keep up with the Joneses or try to impress people. Dave Ramsey, I'll be quoting him a lot more next week, but he says, act your wage. The reason so many of us are in debt is because we're trying to do stuff to keep up and we have to figure out what the difference between needs and wants are some of us think we need cable I'm one of them I was just fighting with my wife yesterday not fighting but she, she wants to get respect I'm like Lisa the Dodger season just started today you can't get rid of Spectrum but it's this much money I'm like oh. maybe the you know devil is tempting me or testing me whatever but all joking aside, there's, there's a difference. between it's, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with having spectrum. But if it's going to put you in debt, there's something wrong. Some of us think we need Starbucks. You don't need Starbucks. You may want it. There's nothing bad with spectrum or Starbucks, but if it puts you in debt. Some of us think we need a car. We don't need a car. Look at history. All these things are good things. And they're valuable, and they make life easy and convenient. But we really have to check ourselves. Because society has told us through marketing that we need all these things. It's quiet. (laughs) Psalms 103.19. The Lord established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over us. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. All authority in heaven. All authority in heaven. So when we talk about the first part is God created it, that's ownership. The second part is, is, is this whole idea that, that we, that he, we, we, 
The first is ownership. The second is lordship. And lordship is saying, Lord, I give you authority to be number one in my life. And again, before we talk about money, if we don't understand ownership and we don't understand lordship, it doesn't matter what I have to say about money. Because if you think it's yours and you think you own it, then I can just say, good luck. But if we understand he owns it all, and then we have the choice to give him authority over it all in our lives, and specifically we're talking about money, but we're talking about all areas when we talk about lordship, right? Now we're at a place where we can start talking a little bit. Does that make sense? So before I move on, have you made Jesus Lord of your life? And what's interesting about Luke 9, 23, it says, any of you who wants to come after me, he must take up his cross, what? Daily. So lordship isn't, oh, when I was 13, I said yes to Jesus. Or when I was 42, I said yes to Jesus. Lordship is something we have to choose every day, amen? And I have to choose, is Jesus gonna be Lord over my money or is it gonna be me, Lord, over my money? Which leads to the last point. What a privilege. What a privilege. What's the word I could put next to that? Stewardship. So simply stated, ownership leads to lordship, leads to stewardship. And a lot of times we as pastors just want to go straight to the stewardship. I haven't mentioned tithe and I won't mention it today. We'll talk a little bit about it next week. But it doesn't even matter. I could preach all of I want on all that kind of stuff and I could talk about all this stuff about money. But what's more important is that we understand who owns it and who's Lord. And when we understand who owns it and who's Lord, by the way, just let me give you a little hint. You that are parents, you do this with your children. Think about it. You do it, or if you don't, you should be. Like when they start thinking this is their house (laughs) and this is their room and this is their refrigerator and you sometimes have to have those come to Jesus moments with them. Uh, Let me just remind you whose this is. And as a parent, you could take it away just like that. That might be one of the help, most helpful things for us is to be reminded that's what God could do that too. He could take it away just like that. Let me tell you a story. Actually, it's his story in Luke 16. Jesus told his disciples this story. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Boo, right? So he called them and he asked them, what is it? Actually, he said, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be a manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtor. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bills, sit down quickly, and make it 450. The guy's like, woohoo! Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. Yeah! The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now listen, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with what? 
with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in holding worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? <laughs> no. Hold on to your purple seats. Verse 13. No one can serve what? Two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Let's read this last part together. Ready? You cannot serve both God and money. Let's say that again. You cannot serve both God and money. Church, that's a tough one. And again, this isn't for guilt and shame because we all have struggles to some point with this topic. But church, you could also read this. You cannot serve both God and debt. So many of us could be doing so much more for the Lord if we didn't have to work so much more or be stressed out and take all kinds of stuff because we're so concerned about this, this, this other God, this idol. Again, that's just to bring reality to the surface, but the hope part is we don't have to live like this. We don't. The world might choose to, but we don't have to. I'll do, I will give you a hint. Dave Ramsey says this, and I truly believe this. And Bill Rose, who teaches our financial peace class, um, he, he teaches this stuff. If we would simply live 10% to God, 10% to our savings, and live off of 80%, recessions don't affect us. But most of us are just going on with the trends of this world. And by the way, um, it's not official, but we're in a recession. And... I just, I just, we don't have to be stuck in the patterns of this world. If we could act our wage in the 80% and do what we could do with the 80 and start knocking down some of the debt, and we might talk about that in the future, we could be set free. And some of you, some of you don't even think that's an option. It is a big option. It's a big option. Stewardship, what is that? It's taking care of something. It's managing that which has been entrusted to us. And that's the story that was just told. I'm not going to pick this story apart. There's a lot to it. But I think the story speaks for itself. But there's two things I'd like to highlight. One is, in verse, uh, verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little could also be trusted with what? Very much. I mean, this, uh, like for me, I'm like, God, bring it on. You know, I want to be faithful with little. And if you want to add to that, I want to be faithful with much. And then he says this, you cannot serve both God and money. If we don't get the right perspective on money, it can become a God. And specifically, debt can become a God to us. So we have to be careful. But the exciting part of this is God says, I trust you. Did you, did you catch that? God says, I trust you with whatever you have in your bank account. That's his, but he gave it to you. He trusts you with whatever home you are living in. He's trusted you with a vehicle if you have that. He's trusted you with some of the extravagant things that we say. I don't think a boat's bad. I don't think an RV's bad. I don't think a second home is bad. I'm not, if you have the resources and it doesn't put you in debt and you see that as God's and you use that for other people to use, how, how exciting. 
Amen? How exciting. I've told you this, and I'll probably talk about more. My truck is not mine. My house is not mine. My office is not mine. Like, literally. I, I've, I've told so many people, you can use my, if I'm not in there, use it. You know, I've handed my keys over to so many people with my truck and my home. <laughs> Just ask Lisa how many people come over. It, it, it starts with a mindset of it's not mine because if it was mine, I don't want people messing up my home or my office or my truck. Are you with me? Oh, I have so much to say on this. Let's wrap this up. Ownership leads to, lordship leads to stewardship and that's a life changer. What's the application? Well, John Maxwell says this. Here's the bottom line. God says, you give me everything and I'll take care of you or you keep it all and you take care of yourself. That sums up the message, doesn't it? Father, thank you. It's hard. It's a hard message if we don't get the first two parts. Because it goes against everything I've been taught. But thank you that your word clarifies and changes and puts us on the right path. Help us, God. Help us to understand that you own it all. Help us to make you Lord. And in doing so, help us to be good stewards. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.